this is Spiritual Solutions 1.0, and if you don't know what Spiritual Solutions are, you need to come next week. Spiritual Solutions are when we make resolutions that only God can do, that are spiritual, okay? And so next week when you come, there'll be cards and all the seats and pencils and all the seats, and you'll pray, and I want you to start praying this week. All right, Lord, what is it that you have for me? And every year I frame this in a different way based on what I sense that the Lord uh, wants to encourage us in, what, what wants to speak to us about. And so today I'm speaking on Sabbath. I'm, I'm speaking on the Sabbath. I'm speaking on rest and trust. And, uh, and next week, whenever you guys will have an advantage because I'll frame this again. And, and what I mean by framing is that I'm going to ask you to write down a few things, one or two or three things that you want God to do when it comes to resting, when it comes to stopping, when it comes to trusting him. And then, so you write it down and you take it. And then as God does that, you bring it back and you share the testimony. So it's like a foundation and we create expectation that God will show up in our life we take a risk. We bought enough more than our, we can chew with the expectation that God will show up and bring transformation and healing. And so um, what kind of ma- one of the reasons I feel like I wanted to talk about Sabbath and rest is, as many of you know, that I just turned 49, okay? I know what you're thinking. Man, he looks good for 49. Or he could die at any point. And I mean, that's how I thought of my parents, like 45 and above. It's just like danger zone, right? And so... Um, and, and so, but here's the good news, and, and I appreciate all the Facebook likes, and if you want to go back on and do more, it makes me feel very encouraged, because I am very uh, insecure, and so there you go. But um, people are like, oh my gosh, you're one year away from being 50, and actually, I've started my 50th year. I finished my 49th year. I'm in my 50th year, and, and this is the good thing about the 50th year, when you start it, is it's the year of Jubilee, It is the best year of history, all right? It's fulfilled in Jesus Christ. But the year of Jubilee, this is what happened. Every seven years, the nation of Israel was told to not work, to give the land a rest, okay? And in giving the land a rest, they would have to um, trust the Lord that year to provide for them because they were an agrarian society. They were dependent on the Lord's provision. Martha's laughing because I just wrote a paper on this and she edited the whole thing. And Aaron also knows about, whoa, Aaron knows about it too. But anyway, and so they were agrarian society. And so, so resting was about resting and worshiping the Lord, but it was also about trusting the Lord. Okay, it's also about trusting the Lord, and they would let the land rest, and they would trust the Lord that year. Okay, so on the Jubilee year, it was seven times seven of that, okay? So on the 40, after the 49th year, they would have the year of Jubilee, and the year of Jubilee was the bomb schnizzle, okay? Like craziness happened in the nation of Israel. Not only did they rest the land, they like forgave all the debts, They gave back the land that they had either bought or they had been given or they took control over. All the slaves went back, all the family members that had to work as indentured servants, they went back as well to their families and they were restored. And so it was craziness. And it it was all about the nation of Israel resting in God's presence and trusting God. And, and so there's two components to Sabbath. One is rest and one is trust. One is rest and one is trust. And we're going to talk about that today, okay? And I think that um, 
when we think about Sabbath, we have to think about it being a commandment because it is a commandment. It's a commandment that we all break. You know, it's a commandment that we don't take seriously. It's probably the greatest commandment that we don't practice for whatever reason. Yet it's, it's commanded by God in the Old and New Testament. And here's, here's the kicker that, uh, that I'm going to unpack today is that God does Sabbath. The creator of the universe takes a Sabbath. What's that all about? Is he tired? God's like, whew, whew just made man. That really, that was a workout. I better take a rest because I'm so tired. No, 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 no. And God is everything. God has everything. God is in need of nothing, 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 nothing. And so it, he didn't rest. He did not rest because he was tired. And so why did he rest? Why do we have a struggle? Why is it hard for us to rest? Well, I think there's two. Again, I want to talk about rest. I want to talk about trust. Okay, well, the first one is rest. Like, why is it hard for us to stop working? To stop. You know, the word Sabbath means to stop. You've probably heard that before. And so it means to stop working and resting with the Lord, worshiping the Lord, being in his presence. But that's hard in our culture, isn't it? Because stopping is looked down upon. Resting is looked down upon. If you rest, you're lazy. And it's not a value that our culture, that our world embraces. And there's actually a negative stereotype associated with it. And so we struggle with it. Because if we're in the workplace, we're held to the same standards as our fellow workers. And we need to keep our jobs. And we don't know what that's going to look like. And so it's hard to rest, to stop. Yet... When you look at the history of the world, nations that did not stop and rest all crumbled. They all, it just doesn't work. And there, there are modern ones. You know, Russia tried to do this. Japan has tried to do this. And people just started dying. People literally would die and there'd be no symptoms other than they were, rest, they were not resting. And so we are built for rest. We are designed for rest, not not like God rested because he wasn't tired, but we get tired, okay? We wear out. And so God says, you need to rest in a physical way, in an emotional way, in a spiritual way, okay? Because Jesus has come, he's redeemed us, but we're also being redeemed, right? And so in heaven, what does it say? You will run and not grow weary. The fulfillment of God's promise is that you're, gonna, you're not gonna grow weary, you're gonna be like me, the consummation of this. So it's something that Jesus is growing us in, developing us in. He's doing every day, new creation, new life, rest, rest, rest. And just so you know, like, I struggle with this. Number one symptom, one, number one reason that the pastors burn out is because they don't take a Sabbath. They don't rest. And so this is something I struggle with. I know it's something you struggle with. And so just know, like, there's no condemnation. There's no guilt. This is something that we're in together, that we need to grow in, that we need to find freedom in. Okay, so the second thing, and uh, this might be some new information, is that um, when we rest, we stop working, we also have to trust God like the nation of Israel. We have to trust that God is going to take care of us. We have to trust that he loves us, that he'll provide for us, that he will finish what we began, okay? Whatever that is. That can be us caring and growing and developing our children. That can be our marriage. That can be our work. That can be whatever. That he wants us to stop and he wants us to trust him. And he's asking us the question, do you trust me? Do you really trust me? 
okay? And when we think of this rest, when we think of God resting, there's this picture that's created in the ancient Near East of, of the kind of rest uh, that, that, that God the Father stepped into and calls us into so that we can trust him, okay? And there's this image that I want to talk to you about. There's this picture, right? And in this image, it says God rested, and he rested like kings, okay? This is the king of Assyria. This is back in the Old Testament times, right? Now, take a look at this picture. Now, there's some weirdness to this, okay? Not weirdness. There's things I want to draw your attention to that make the point I'm trying to make. First of all, he's, he's sitting down, okay? But it's not like I'm going to go rest and sit on my bum, okay? It's not like we think rest, like I'm going to go home, watch the Jags game, and have a few beers. That's not the kind of rest that God steps into, okay? The kind of rest that God steps into is what's demonstrated here. First of all, he has a footstool, okay? His feet are on a footstool. And what And then he also has an arrow, all right? And he has, I think, a knife in the other hand. And so here is a king who's enthroned. He has weapons, and and, and this is normal for for back then, is they would have a shield in the pictures. They would have a sword, or they would have a a, a stabby thing, you know, that that they'd be sitting on their throne with, right? And so this is what these things stand for, is that a footstool is what you would put your feet on as a, as a demonstration of something that the king had conquered, a nation that the king had conquered, someone that the king then ruled over, had dominion over. And, and so what did they do? They rested under his feet. Like, that's a pretty strong sign of you crush dominated me, I'm below you now, or you've created me, I know, I, I know that I have to serve you. And so and so when you see these kings, you'll often see a footstool under them, right? And it says right here, it says in Isaiah 66, thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne, the place that I rest, and the earth is my footstool. What is the house that you would build for me? And what is the place of rest? Okay? And so here we see this imagery. We begin to see what did God do when he rested, Well, it's not a rest of laziness. It's not a rest because he's tired. It's a rest of enthronement. It's a rest of dominion and power that he has created the world. He he has walked with Adam and Eve. He has been with them. He has loved them. He's created everything. He's created everything, everything, everything. And it is his footstool. It is his footstool. So when he goes into Sabbath rest, he's saying, this belongs to me. It is mine. I created it. I rule and have dominion over it and authority. I am enthroned and it sits under my footstool. Okay, so when we're starting to think about rest, we start to think about God inviting us into, as his created children, his rule, his reign, releasing his power in our life. And so when God moves into Sabbath, he's moving into an enthroned powerful position of leadership like we were singing today, of authority, of of dominion, and inviting us, his creation, into that. And the shield and the sword demonstrates that he, he is the conqueror. He is the one who has fought. He is the one who has won. He is the one that has taken over and now has dominion and authority, okay? And so, this is, what the, this is what God's saying to the nation of Israel. I'm calling you to rest. I'm calling you to trust me. Come into the Sabbath. Come into my reign. Come into my kingdom. Don't you see how good I am? Don't you see the authority, the power I have? 
Why don't you trust me? Why can't you trust me? And the nation of Israel didn't. Year after year, time after time, they never were able to trust the Lord fully. The year of Jubilee never happened in the nation of Israel. It was decreed, it was told, and it never happened in the nation of Israel because they never got this idea of Sabbath, of trusting God, coming into his rule and his reign. And it got to the point where the nation of Israel said to to the Lord, we don't want you to be our king. We want a king that is an earthly king like all the other nations. We want them to rule over us. We want to be their footstool. That is, I mean, imagine the slap in the face that that would have been to God the Father, the creator of the universe who had demonstrated his faithfulness, his provision, and their life. And so Sabbath is an invitation to rest physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And it's, a, it's an opportunity to trust God with all of who we are to come into his rule and reign. And we see this in the New Testament, and this is the scripture I want to read today. It says this in Matthew Eleven twenty-seven. Come, this, this might be familiar to you, but it might not. But I want you to read this. I want you to think about this within the backdrop of kingly leadership in the time of Jesus. And we're just going to unpack it a little bit. It says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Father, we pray that you would open our heart to receive what you have for us today. Just come, Holy Spirit, and just in, again, just enlighten our heart today. Amen. Okay. So the first thing it says, and again, I'm literally going to unpack this, is, is that it's, just leave that up on the screen, Okay is that he says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. Okay, come to me is demonstrated, and it's, it's in verse, there's a, you know, when it talks about coming to me in John 6, 35, it says, he who comes to me, this is Jesus speaking, he who comes to me will, know, will in no way get hungry, and he who believes in me will know, in no way will get thirsty. So coming to Jesus, whenever Jesus says, come to me, he's saying, not only to believe in me, but you need to trust me. You need to trust that I will take care of every part of your life. In every way, you will not go hungry. In every way, I will provide for you. In everything, in every need that you have, I will take care of you. You can trust me. And he's speaking specifically to people who labor and are heavy laden. And, okay, labor and heavily laden. Okay, so labor here. It's talking about, this is so cool. This is so cool how God does this. The Bible is amazing. It's living. It's active. This is why we need to be reading it, okay? It says, when it says heavy laden, so who's he calling to us? Well, everyone, but specifically he's calling to us people who are heavy laden, okay? And this is speaking to people who are tired because of working, physical work, okay? They're tired because they've been working. Now, where in history did man start to to struggle with work. If God created everything good, right? The fall. And what does God say to the man after he eats the fruit, sin enters the world? He says, sorry, dude, what I meant for you to have joy in, for, for you to spread the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Eden into the world, to go forth and multiply, to, to work the land, to be, have dominion over these things, for you to rule, you've lost it. 
You've lost it. The command still stands to work, but now it's going to be hard. Now you're going to labor and it's going to be heavy. It's going to be difficult. You're going to sweat thorns. It's going to be difficult. And so Jesus is saying, he's saying, he's, call, he's beginning to call people. Do you want to come under my rule and my reign? Because this has happened, but now I'm here and this is going to change. And that's the next thing. He says heavy laden and their burden, okay? Now, burden means here is the oppression that the nation of Israel, that the Jews were feeling because of the, of the, of the, um, the law. And not just the law of God, but the jacked up law of the God, okay? That the, that the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they added all of these other things onto God's law that was meant to bring freedom, that they brought sacrifices for. They added all of these things onto it. And this burden, this burden became heavy. This burden became something that they couldn't, that they couldn't shake. And, and what did it produce in them? It produced because they couldn't do it. There's just too many things. And so they couldn't do it. And when we can't do something that God wants us to do, what do we feel? We feel condemned. We feel guilt. We feel shame. We want to run from God. Now, where the first time, when did that happen the first time? The Garden of Eden, right? What happened? They sinned and they felt shame. They felt guilt. They hid themselves from God. And Jesus said, come to me. I am here to take this from you. I am here to restore what the enemy has stolen. I don't even know where I am. And I will give you rest. Now, here's the thing about rest, okay? God's rest. Is that when he gives us rest, he not not only takes our burdens away, and this is what this language means. He doesn't only take our burdens away, he also gives us something. He also gives us peace. Okay, so in our toil and our and our struggle, he comes into the world and he says, you know, give that to me, and I'm going to give this to you. Give this to me. Give me your shame. Give me your guilt. Give me your burden. Give me all of these things that are weighing you down, and I'm going to give you peace. John fourteen twenty seven says, "Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives, not because of circumstance." And let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So I'm going to take your trouble, I'm going to take your fear, and I'm going to give you peace. I've said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I've overcome the world. In the world, you're going to have tribulation. In the world, you're going to struggle. Why? Because we fell, and we're in the journey of being restored. But we have broken our relationship with God because of sin. We've done it. We turn our backs on him. And so there's going to be tribulation for us. There is going to be struggle for us. There's going to be pain in our life. And Jesus says, bring it. Bring it to me. Because I've overcome that. I've conquered that. Okay. And again, you start hearing this king, this king language, right? I have conquered this. I have conquered the world. I've overcome the world. So bring it to me. Come under my rule and reign is what we're going to see Jesus saying. And he says, take my yoke upon you. And again, in the Jewish thing, it would say like yoke represents like burden or obligations, okay? And they would say, again, the rabbis and the people who were, you know, messing with the law and adding things to it, they say, take the yoke of the Torah, take the yoke of the law, take this yoke, take that yoke. And it became a burden that people couldn't carry, 
Okay, and so a yoke is something you put on your shoulders and it would distribute the weight. And what Jesus is saying is that you've been so overloaded, you've been so, that you still can't carry. It's not enough. It's not enough. It's too much. And so he says, you're not, you can't earn salvation that way. You're not going to earn freedom that way. That's not, you're not going to be able to do it. It's not about the rules. It's not about the law. I've come to fulfill those things. I've come to conquer Come into my reign. And he says, no, it's, it's not about those things. Accept my teaching. Take my yoke. What is this yoke? It's his teaching. Take on who I am. Take on what I have. Obey what I'm saying. Receive my love. Receive my grace. Trust me. Take this on. Listen to me and trust me. And he says, for I am... Meek and lowly in heart. And, you know, we, we hear meek, right? And what do we think of? We think of uh, like unicorns, bunnies, like soft, fluffy animals, weakness, timidness, right? But that's not what it means whenever Jesus says that, okay? Because it's talking about him, right? And he's the king, okay? He is the king, okay? And he's, been, he's sitting at the right hand of the Father. And he says this, the definition of meek is a person who finds refuge and strength in the Lord. He commits his way entirely to him, leaving everything in the hand of him who he loves and cares. And so Jesus is saying, come to me, I'm meek. I'm meek. I have trusted my Father with everything. I've trusted my Father with everything. Come to me. And I will give you peace. I will give you rest. You know, there's a New Testament that the Syrians use. It's called this like Syriatic or something. I don't even know how to pronounce it. And, and the way they translated this verse really captures what Jesus is saying here. He says this, come to me and I will rest you for I am restful and you shall find rest for yourself. Come to me and I will rest you. I will lay you down along the you know, streams and the, you know, in the green fields in Psalm 23. Find rest for your soul. All of these verses where God's talking about wanting to bring you rest. And here he's saying, come to me and I will rest you. You don't have to, you don't have to do anything. Just come to me and I will do this. I've conquered what takes unrest away from you. Come to me and I will rest you. For I am restful. And you shall find rest for yourselves. Like who, who of us doesn't want that? We all need that. We all want that. We all, it's like not, oh man, I kind of want that. It's like we need that. Life is too hard. Life is too painful. The invitation from Christ is like, come on guys, I'm not just like an average alternative. I am an amazing, incredible, powerful king. Will you come to me and allow me to rest you? You know, if you look at the parable, I will give you rest in verse 28. I will give you rest and you shall find rest. We don't get rest. Nobody gets rest unless it's given by Jesus. Why is there so much rest in the world? Because people don't know Jesus. What he's saying here in verse 28 and 29 is you can only find rest, find peace, true peace, true rest from me. So if you don't come to me, it's not going to happen. You can't make it happen. And then lastly, he says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. 
What Jesus is saying is, come to me. Trust me to deal with all of your needs, physical work, and your burden of sin. He will give you rest from these struggles. He will give you rest from the things that you're struggling with. Come to me. Come to me and trust me so that I can rest you. When we come to Jesus and we trust him with our life, we come under his rule and his reign. We come into his kingdom, okay? And he is a king that cannot let us down. He is a king that is bound by his promises. And he isn't restful. He isn't peace. He isn't loving. He isn't peaceful. He isn't loving. He is peace. He can only give us peace. He is love. He can only give you love. He is rest. He will always give you rest. It's the only thing he can do. It's the only thing he can do. He can only give you joy. He is incapable of giving you the opposite of joy, which is like not joy. What's the opposite of joy? What? Not joy. Thank you. But th- this is all he can do. And so Jesus is saying, come, come. Now think about this in the backdrop. Come to me. Come to me. And I will give you rest. I can only give you rest. This is my kingdom. If you come into my kingdom, this is what you will get. You will get these things. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. All of these things you will receive because I've conquered what has taken them away from you. So he sits in his throne with the cross. He sits in his throne with the cross, demonstrating through the cross, I have conquered, I have won, I have defeated sin, I have defeated death, I have conquered it. It is my footstool, all of it on earth through my one sacrifice. It is my footstool. And I stand as the conqueror who has beaten this and will rule over it so you can come into my rest now and receive all that I have for you. He's the only one who's ever done that. He's the only one that will ever do that. And we read this in Ephesians 1. It says that Christ, it says, what a measurable greatness of the power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might, God's working great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. So where's Jesus sitting right now? On his throne in the heavenly places. That's what he's doing. He is on Sabbath. He is resting right now because of who and what he has conquered, sin and death. Far above, he is far above all rule and authority and power. He's describing a king of power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he put, God put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things. That, 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 I mean, that's not any more, like, that's clear, right? Like Jesus, the king, sits enthroned in heaven. The father has put these things, given him these things because he has defeated. Why? Because he perfectly trusted him. He perfectly trusted the father. And so he received this dominion, this authority, this kingship, this rulership that he's calling us into. There's also a Hebrews verse that's awesome that talks about this. Okay, okay, so like, let's rest, right? Like he's offering, come into Sabbath, come into my kingship, come into my rulership. I've done all this necessary. What you lost in the garden, I've taken back. 
with the enemy stole from you your authority, your power, the dominion you were created for. And again, this is the talk I'm going to do next week. But we're created to be kings also. We're created to be kings also and have dominion and authority and rule, right? Now, I'm going to talk about that next week. But that's, that's craziness when you start hearing about that. Because that's what the enemy stole from us. And Jesus is saying, come under my leadership. Trust me with all of your life. And you will have a footstool. You will rule. You will have power and dominion over the things that I had power and dominion over. And you will rule on earth as my representative. That's next week. All right? You got to come. And so, and so, this is how Jesus can give us rest because he's conquered everything. And so this year... This is what I want you to think about when it comes to what do, what do I want to experience in my relationship with God? What do I want my spiritual solutions to be? Okay? And I would, I would propose that God wants to offer you rest this year. He wants you to give him your burdens. He wants you to give him your burdens. And he wants you to trust him with your life. To not only say, I believe but to fully give him your life, all of your life, trusting that he will make up the difference of what you've done, what, you, what he has begun in you, that he will finish. And so this year, instead of spiritual solutions about doing things for God, I'm going to read the Bible more. I'm going to worship every day. I'm going to run naked like David, worshiping through my neighborhood. I'm going to... And, and every year we do these spiritual solutions, and I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm, and good things. But this year, why don't we change that? Why don't our spiritual solutions embrace this idea of stopping? This year, I'm going to stop. This year, I'm going to slow down. This year, I'm going to trust the Lord. This year is going to be different from every other year in my life. I'm going to treat it like the year of Jubilee where God has to show up, he has to take control, I have to trust and come under his ruling kingship and authority that he is enthroned. I believe he is enthroned to heaven, so this year, I'm going to act like it. This year is going to be the year of jubilee for me. Let's take a Sabbath this year, individually and as a church. Let's rest. Let's trust. Let's stand. You like that? That's not even written down. Let's rest. Let's trust. Now, I know when I say those words, you're thinking, I, I just don't know how to do that. And, and I, I, I struggle with this. Like I said, I was cleaning up Christmas lights two years ago, and we had guests over. And I didn't want to go inside. I didn't want to chill. I didn't want to do what they were doing. And the Lord said to me, Antley, you don't know how to rest. You don't know how to rest. And so I know this is a struggle. This is a pattern in your life that once you engage in it, it becomes difficult. I won't, I can't, I won't take naps because I'll feel, I feel guilty when I wake up. Now, I'm not obviously boasting about that. That's like a confession. Like, that is ridiculous. But I know that we, this is real. God wants freedom in this area for us. But if we aren't intentional about it, it just won't happen. Our default is work. And so this morning, why don't, why don't we begin with, I'm just going to, everyone stay where they are. Why don't we begin with just asking the Holy Spirit to come 
and begin to work in our hearts, work out this idea of rest, taking it from us. Remember, Jesus says, I will rest you. So let's just invite Jesus to come through his spirit and just say, Jesus, rest me. I I don't know how to do this. I've tried and I've failed. I'm powerless in this, but I know you have conquered what prevents it from happening. And so, King, come and rest me. And the second thing I think we, 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 we need to pray about, well, I'm not going to do anything. We're going to start there. We're just going to see what God wants to do. Okay, so if you're here visiting, we do this at the end of every service, creating space for the Spirit to take what has been taught in our head to our heart. Because it's only when things are experienced in our life that transformation occurs, right? We can think all the right things, but it's trans- transformation comes from our heart. That's good now. It's good heart that God's given us to lead us in. And so we just ask everyone to kind of chill, close their eyes. I invite the Spirit to come. You just invite the Holy Spirit to come and just speak to you about every, everything that you've just heard. And it will be different things for different people. But God knows exactly what you need this morning. He knows exactly the area of your life that you need rest. He knows exactly what you struggle with that makes it difficult for you. He knows that you may have had authority figures in your life that told you not to rest, that told you resting is for lazy people, for weak people. You better not rest because you're my son or you're my daughter. I expect you to get straight A's. I expect you to achieve this or go to this college. These are all things that we have been lied to, that we have harbored in our heart, roots that God needs to to pull up so that we can experience freedom. So, Father, let's just close our eyes. Let's open ourselves to God. I'm going to pray. I'm just going to wait. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come right now. We yield our hearts to you, Jesus, our King. Holy Spirit, come and bring us into his kingdom. Bring us into his kingdom. Bring us in right to Jesus so that he can rest us. Come, Holy Spirit. Just do what you always do that you can only do. Just come, Lord.